Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Whether you're in your garden or hiking through the woods, we have you covered. Call now with your outdoor questions. In Appleton, call 281-1150 or outside the valley, 866-887-1150. From the Myron Construction Studio of WHBY, it's Outdoors with Rob Zimmer. Brought to you by Cedar Ridge Crafts and Gifts. Welcome to Outdoors with Rob Zimmer. I'm Zach Morris, and now introducing Rob. And Rob, how was your week? And I'm Rob Zimmer. <laughs> it's great. It was a great week. Very busy week. I did a lot of uh, fun stuff, and I'll tell you all about it. There yeah, we go. it was a great week to get outside. I mean, got it was. Walks in. It was a little chilly, but it's it's early spring. Yeah, we got spoiled a couple of weeks ago, and it was really warm. And now, uh, now we had a little cooler week. But so much was going on. That's the cool thing. I mean, you know. Um, Spring doesn't wait for 70s and 80s. Spring happens when it's 35 and 40, and it was a, it was a great week. I did a lot of cool stuff. Um, I did go to Cedar Ridge, the sponsors of my show now, and I just wanted to talk about them for a little bit. If you haven't been there, Cedar Ridge Crafts and Gifts, it's located in the little strip mall right in front of Coles and Nina. But I stopped in there this week, and oh my gosh, they have all the cool – if you're looking for spring, uh, go there because they all they have all their cool spring um, – Silk florals and spring floral pictures and prints, and uh, they have these really cool garden flags and rugs and rug inserts and things like that. And it's all in these beautiful, you know, pastel colors, the tulips, daffodils, robin's eggs, things like that. And it's just so cool. Um, so go check it out. They do have a couple of really fun things I want to talk about. They have um, these really neat solar chimes. You know, you've all heard of wind chimes where wind chimes, you know, blow in the wind and make noise. But these are solar chimes, which are really neat. And you just set them in a sunny spot in the garden and they, they make noise from the sun. And then they have these really cool, I had to get one, these um, yoga frogs, they're called. They're really cool frogs that are doing all these yoga poses. But they don't look cheesy. They look really cool. So if you haven't been there, stop in. And thank you to Cedar Ridge for sponsoring my show every week. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is great, and yoga frogs, whatever. <laughs> they're so cool. I mean, and you know, when you hear it, it sounds kind of cheesy, but when you see them in person, they're just so neat because they do all these cool poses and stuff, and they'd be really neat for either indoor or outdoor. Well, before we get to what you were doing also this past week, I had a little story last Saturday. Oh, I was driving back to my girlfriend's house. It was roughly probably around 11 at night. We were driving past Clovis Grove in Menasha. Yeah. And across the street, there were 10 deer in someone's front. Really? Oh. Now, (laughs) we're driving up, and I just thought it was uh, some big dogs. Oh, yeah. Those are huge dogs. Only two of them. You don't see too many of them. And then all of a sudden, you just see 10 deer. And then, of course, (laughs) you got parked next to the side of them, and you just see them all staring at you. Yeah. I just never saw that. I mean, I've never seen 10 deer Right in in town. Oh yeah, yeah. So I wonder what I wonder what they have in their yard that was so tasty. Maybe they had maybe they were feeding from a bird feeder or something. A lot of times deer will do that, depending on what you put out. But you know, it could have been just a green area of grass or, or buds or something they were eating. But I bet those people weren't happy, or maybe they were. I'm just thinking all the times we're going through Heckrod and Menasha or some other nature preserves, and I've never seen ten of them packed together. Yeah. And then it's like, where are they going to go now? Because you never know. Right. In the residential area, you might see one or two that yeah. find their own way through. I've yeah. seen downtown even one or two yeah. somehow finds yeah. their way. I have no idea. Yeah, they just follow the river and stuff or come through the parks. Yeah. But 10 in one yard right in the middle of Menasha, that's pretty cool. <laughs> 
They must have had something. I wonder if they just had a feeder out with some corn or something, and that's what I, brought I them in. I did see a bird feeder out there. I wasn't sure did what you? was in there. Yeah, they might have just stocked it with some corn or something. Mm-hmm. But silly deer. <laughs> well, <that laughs> Better was, stay away from my house. I have a lot of hostas. Well, that was quite interesting to see last Saturday, but. Yeah, that is cool. So what else were you up to this past week? Uh, this past week, gosh, so much st- cool stuff. It was the peak. It, it is the peak right now of Tunja Swan migration. So I do want people to, and we'll talk about that later, where you can go see them and things like that. But it was an excellent week for Tundra Swans all week long. When, we, when the wind switched with the storm, the wind switched kind of to the east and southeast, and they've been coming in almost every day. And the other day I counted over 1,000 out by Shiocton area. So the Tundra Swans are coming back um, on this week on Thursday night. Um, I actually spoke, or no, Wednesday night, I actually went to Madison to speak to the Wisconsin Hosta Society at Oldbrook Botanical Gardens in Madison, and that was really fun. Um, great group of people there, and obviously, for those who know me, hostas are my big thing. So um, got to talk about hostas for a couple hours with the Wisconsin Hosta Society, and that was a ball. Um, so that was that was a really fun time, too. But other than that, I've been doing a lot of hiking. It's been fairly nice up, and nice enough to get out and hike, even though it's not 50s and 60s. Yesterday, down in southern Wisconsin, it was in the 80s like down by Madison, Milwaukee, Racine, Kenosha, wow. all the way to Platteville. And then there was this really sharp cutoff, like right around Beaver Dam or Fond du Lac or so, where all of a sudden it dropped back into the 40s. So we have that range where it's 80s in southern Wisconsin and sunny, you know, summer. And then up here it's dreary and cloudy because we were behind, we were on the wrong side of the warm front, apparently. And unfortunately, it's not going to make it all the way up here either. So but they lucked out down there. Wow, I can imagine 80 degrees to the 40. That's a big change. Wow. Chicago had a record high of 82 and Burlington, Milwaukee, Janesville was in the 70s, I believe, but they were all 80s. So not too far away, people. It was almost here. Quite interesting. 281-1150 is the phone yeah. number. Let's head to the phone lines. We have Jan on the line. Good right. morning, Jan. Hi, Jan. Hi, good morning. Hi, how are you? Oh, we're good. Good. Wednesday, we had about 50 tundra swans come <gasps> through and be in our bay for the afternoon and then oh. took off. They usually stay one day or yep. so. And, and that's what that's that's a good point because that's what I try to get people to realize. Like I, I've been telling people all week on my Facebook page that the swans are here, the swans are here, and they're like, "Oh, I'll go see them this weekend." Well, no, you won't because they're only <laughs> here for a day. So when right. I tell you they're here, you better get out there and look because right. you're going to miss them. Right? Yeah, because they they're on their way west, and they like they might stay and rest for a day or so, and then they'll take off and leave. So right. when you hear the the tundra swan warning on Rob Zimmer Outdoors, you better get out there and look. Right. right. So you had fifty. That's excellent. Yeah. And uh, years ago, before I retired, I'd always miss it. I was working. So it's right. wonderful now that I get to see them. Yeah. And I notice they always, because uh, what happens is they, east of us, where they're coming from, uh, over on Lake Huron, they usually leave about, you know, sunrise is when they usually leave. And then they usually get here, because it's like a four-hour flight for them, they usually get here about 10 or 11 in the morning is where you can usually count on seeing the first flock start to come in. And then they kind of train across the sky. So flock after flock just takes off, and they kind of make this train across the sky. They follow each other, and then they end up here. And usually in the morning, you know, on a nice good spring morning like that, they usually start to come in about 10 or 11. Yeah, so pretty cool. Yeah, I'm so glad wonderful. you got to see them. Anything else fun going on out there? Well, we have um, the ice, hit, you know, went out, came in, went yep, out, came yep. in. Now it appears to be gone, but this year it brought in a lot of debris. There are oh, <laughs> little yeah. islands of stuff out there that we'll have to see what that actually is. Is it a giant rock under there, or is it just yeah. a mixture of things? Hopefully it's something natural and not, you know, litter that people left out right. on the lake, because that happens too. But right, uh, and we have a friend who's an archaeologist, and he is very vigilant about telling people, if you're going to, in the wintertime, build these bonfires out on the lake, you're killing the lake. 
Yeah. Leave all that debris out there. Clean up, yep, yes. You know, that's something people that may not realize what, right. that, what that does. Yeah, and who knows how many cars and trucks are, well, they got most of those out. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then we have uh, still quite a few eagles. And uh, oh, on Thursday night, I think one of them was up in our big cottonwood tree, one of our trees, and he had a large fish, but must have dropped it because in the morning oh. there was this big chunk of a giant fish in the yard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe something chased him away, right. chased it out of his mouth or something. Right, right. So. And, and Jan is on, you're on the west shore of Lake Winnebago, right? right? Down by between Nina and Oshkosh. Calling B. Yeah. Excellent. Oh. Well, yeah, thanks absolutely. for the report. Okay. And keep watching. I mean, the wind's still out of the east, so we could still get some more swans in the next few days. Oh, okay. We'll yeah. do. All right. Thanks. They don't call them waterfowl for nothing. They like the they like the rain and the wet. So right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got to see them. Okay. Thanks yep. for the great show. Oh, thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Two eight one eleven fifty is the phone number, or outside the Appleton area, call one eight six six eight eight seven eleven fifty. And Rob. I'll Good neighbor Kathy Keene wanted me to let you know that she saw a red-headed woodpecker. Oh, excellent. Yeah, she told me she had one um, last year or earlier this year, too. And red-headed woodpeckers are actually kind of rare in our area, actually throughout the whole state. They used to be a lot more common, but um, uh, they have the nice scarlet ruby red head, and then they're black and white. Um, I've seen there's been a couple that have overwintered here. Normally, they do kind of move south a little bit. And then they, they're one of the first birds to come back in the spring. I used to see them at, at um, Heckrod Wetlands quite a bit. And once in a while, you still see them there. But um, they're becoming quite rare in Wisconsin. They're a species of, of special concern, I believe, because their population is dropping. Didn't know that. Yeah. And they like, um, they like kind of open, deciduous forests. So they're a, but they're a beautiful bird. If you've, if you've never seen one, uh, Google it. It's just a, you know, there's the red-bellied woodpecker, which is pretty common in our area, with kind of a reddish-orange head and then kind of a beige body with some a ladderback-striped uh, black-and-white back. And then the red-headed, red-headed woodpecker has like a, just a big ruby red head uh, with black and white plumage, um, very loud, very vocal, uh, very fun to watch, um, but excellent, Kathy. Good job. 2A11150. Did you get a picture? Uh, I, <laughs> I didn't see one posted, but hopefully it comes back and she'll oh, get one yeah. then. But <laughs> yeah. We'll find out. They're Two, hard to get a picture of. 2A11150 is the phone number. We'll take a break. Be back with more of Rob Zimmer after this. I hear tons of swans. <laughs> awesome. Catch them while you can. Yeah, catch them while you can. Yes, exactly. So Jam was talking about her tons of swans. She had 50 right in the bay in front of her. That is actually our wildlife of the week this week. So uh, I just wanted to talk about the tons of swans. Like I said, this is their... Let's listen. That's what they sound like. So really cool sound. They were flying like crazy this week, especially Monday, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, all week really, because we had some east winds. And what tundra swans do is they're flying actually more east to west rather than north to south, like some of the birds are. They're actually coming from over on the Atlantic coast, and they're coming across the Great Lakes. And then when they hit the Mississippi River, so then they'll turn north and go up to Alaska and northern Canada. But the tundra swan, that's our wildlife of the week. Huge white birds. You see them by the thousands this time of year, especially at, at certain places like uh, central Outagamie County, basically following like from Highway 54 east and west. They're all along that corridor. So if you're looking to see swans this weekend, you know even though the weather's bad, that's actually the best time to see them. They're, they're waterfowl, like I was saying before. They love the muddy, wet 
you know, cold fields, and they're out there in huge numbers. Um, the biggest flocks I saw this week were right, I mean, right next to Shiocton, like a quarter of a mile away from Shiocton, right on 54, right on 76. Um, and you're usually always going to see some there this time of year, whether it's a, just a flock of a dozen or a couple hundred or even a thousand like I saw sitting there this week. Um, so cool to see, to see though. Sometimes they're far back because, you know, a lot of people stop on the highway and, and spook them back further, and, and those are some big fields out there. But um, what they're doing is they're migrating, like I said, north, um, well, east to west right now. Then they'll turn north and head up into Canada and Alaska. But um, it's a it's been a peak week for them. They actually started really early this year. Um, in February, we had those first 70-degree days back in late February. The first one started coming through, and they've been started sort of trickling through for the past few weeks but this week is when the big numbers started coming um, and like Jan said they're they're not just coming through out of Gamey County they're coming basically through the whole state and they're kind of going uh, east to west she saw them in Lake Winnebago you see them a lot out at Collins Marsh in, in Manitowoc County Kill Snake Wildlife Area down in Calumet County um, all along Highway 54 though like I said from basically from Green Bay all the way to New London and, and beyond they'll hit the Wisconsin River over by Stevens Point you'll see a lot out there too but Big numbers moving through right now, so just take a ride out there and check all the back roads around Shackton, New London, Black Creek. Great spots to see them. So how long do they usually stay in this area? Not long. Um, what, like like Jan said, the, her flock stayed a day, so sometimes when there's a good east wind, they're going to ride that tailwind as, as long as they can. They might sit down for a little while, eat some corn, drink some water you know, clean up a little bit, and then they'll take off again if the wind stays right. If the wind all of a sudden switches, that that's kind of what you want, because if the wind all of a sudden switches back to the west or something, they'll stop and they'll they'll stay longer. Um, this year, there's not a lot of water out there. Usually most years, this time of year, it's really flooded out there. But our flooding came so early this year, you know, back in February again when it was 70, um, and earlier in March, there were lots of flood warnings out there. But now the water's almost down to normal levels, so... Um, because what they do is they feed in the cornfields during the day, and then they go back to the river, the flooded river at night, to roost. So, um, but sometimes they stay anywhere from a, a day to maybe a few days, and then they'll take off. And then, but what happens is you have these flocks that are kind of they'll keep coming. You know, they don't all come at once. So you see maybe some one day, and then they'll they'll leave, and then the next day another bunch will come in, and then they'll leave, and then the next day another bunch will come in. So they keep like um, leapfrogging across the country. So. so so it changes every year, basically. Yeah. As you mentioned, depends the weather and the wind. Yeah. yeah. I always say usually it's about March 14th when you can expect the first ones to come back, and they were here two weeks early this year. So, um, And then usually the last half of March, sometimes into the first week of April, is, is pretty heavy. So, yeah. Excellent, awesome bird. Love them. And a great sound, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're really cool to hear. The other day, I, I came back from watching swans out you know, out in Black Creek area, and I came home, and I pulled into my office at the Gathered Earth gift shop in Appleton, and I got out of my truck, and I could hear them in the parking lot, and I looked up, and 200 flew right over the parking lot. I mean, right over downtown Appleton, 200, well, North Appleton, 200 swans flew right over. And they fly in a flock just like geese, so a lot of people think they're geese, but they have a much higher-pitched, as you heard, a much higher-pitched um, call as they're flying, and they're loud as they're calling. They're, they make a lot of noise. So. I kind of like the loud ones. Yeah. That way you can hear them fly by. You yeah. can actually see them, not yeah. just like just going silent incognito. Where, yeah. Well, there they go. <laughs> yeah, so if you've seen swans this week, give us a call and, and let us know where you saw them and how many you saw. Um, I, I like the noise they make because it just it makes it sound like they're so excited, you know, like they're on their way. They're they're excited to, to be on the wing, and they yes. are, like geese too. They're, they're constantly calling to each other and constantly singing all along their, their way, which is pretty cool. And some just have beautiful calls where it's they do. great to listen to. Yeah, exactly. All birds have beautiful calls. <laughs>
281. I'm trying to think of a bad one. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like owls. Yeah, I, owls. I heard, I heard one. Some are kind of creepy. Night, so. yeah. yeah, I've never seen <laughs> one up close yet. Yes, I would be yep. thinking if I'm walking through late at night and you just see one, oh, what the heck yeah. is this? Or when you hear some of I mean, that's uh, that's what they use in a lot of the horror movies are some of the creepy bird songs like Loons. You know, Loons, mm-hmm. they have that beautiful song, but they can also make a, a kind of a creepy song. And so can baby owls are some of the creepiest. If you hear, ever hear a baby owl, they're like shriek and scream and sound like someone's dying out there, but it's just a baby owl. I guess the crows are probably the least favorite of mine. Oh, they're they, they're so smart. They they've actually deciphered like the whole language of crows. You, they have like I mean I don't know how many different calls that they've actually. You can get books or look at it online. This call means this. This call means this. It's pretty pretty amazing. So yeah, but I also wanted to. I promised my Facebook people that this week, a couple of weeks ago, I did my top ten perennial. I'm totally switching gears from birds to garden plants, but that's all right. That's what I do. It's outdoors. Rob it's outdoors. Zimmer. Yeah. Yeah. So call me. I want to know what your your favorite annual flowers are. Uh, for those of you who don't know, annual flowers are those that um, generally bloom and die in the same year. So they're not like perennials where you plant them and then every year they just get better and better and better and, and bigger and bigger and bigger. Annuals are your things like your petunias and marigolds and morning glories, things like that. Things that you plant once, they grow, they flower, and they die all in the same year. Um, and they're really popular. I mean, they're great, great plants to put them, you know, scatter among your garden or make uh, containers with hanging baskets, um, potted containers, um, flower beds, cutting gardens, things like that. And I just wanted to go through my top 10 today. So during like each break, I'll cover a couple. So I'm going to start with my number 10 annual drum roll, please. Number 10 is giant flowering tobacco or Nicotiana, uh, the giant one, though. This one gets about five feet tall. The, the base of the plant, which kind of looks like a big fuzzy hosta, it can get about three to four feet tall, uh, wide. Um, and then it has this giant stalk with these six-inch long skinny white tube-like flowers that kind of hang down like an umbrella from the tip of the plant. And it's called giant to- flowering tobacco, or another name for it is jasmine flowering tobacco. Uh, uh, it's got a lot of different names. It's fragrant. The cool thing about it is it blooms at night. I mean, it blooms during the day, but it stays, stays blooming all night, and then it becomes really fragrant. Like the fragrance really is enhanced at night because it's trying to attract night flying moths and things like that to it. So, And the flowers are white. Like I said, the foliage is lime green, um, but that's my number 10. And you can find it at, at some garden centers, carry it. Uh, you can find the seeds at several places. Um, it's not a really common plant to find in our area, but you should be able to find it. Check some of the specialty uh, garden centers like um, Mayflower in Green Bay usually has it up there. And um, Fernhouse in Oshkosh is another cool little garden center. They usually have it there. Uh, my number nine, drum roll please. We should get some music or something for this. Number nine is Bells of Ireland. It's a really cool, um, unusual, again, heirloom annual. Uh, the cool thing about it is it's green. It's literally like these green bells that grow up and down the stalk um, Kind of almost like if you've ever seen Brussels sprouts growing on a stalk, that's what they look like, but they're actually flowers. And hummingbirds love them. Um, Butterflies love them. They're just a really cool accent uh, garden plant, especially for if you're looking for something unusual for containers, for arrangements, things like that. It's a nice vertical stem that can get about two two to three feet tall, and it's just filled with dozens of these green cup-shaped flowers with gold inside. Um, So that is my number nine. And then number eight is uh, lantana. Lantana is one of my favorite annual plants for butterflies and hummingbirds. It comes in a lot of different color combinations now. There's one called berrylicious. There's one called cherry. 
something. It's like a dark purple, black cherry. Um, it used to be just available in orange, so people would see these orange sprawling. It's kind of a, a sprawling, trailing plant. Very fragrant. A lot of them smell citrusy. If you just squeeze the foliage or, or smell the flowers, they smell citrusy. One of the best plants for monarchs, though, if you're gardening for monarchs or, or growing something for monarchs and other butterflies, lantana is a perfect choice. And try some of the new ones. Like I said, there's there's flowers that are combined um, pink, yellow, and orange on the same stem or, or dark cherry red and orange and pink on the same stem. So there's lots of different kinds of lantana out there. Excellent plant for monarchs. If you go to the Butterfly Gardens of Wisconsin, um, out, on, out on 47 here in Appleton, um, in the butterfly house there where you can walk among the monarchs and stuff, he has these big um, tree lantanas. They're basically grafted into tree form that he keeps out there, and the monarchs just cover those plants. So those are the first three. We'll get to the rest later. 281-1150 is the phone number, or 1-866-887-1150. Back with more of Rob Zimmer after this on WHBY. Awesome. Sandhill Cranes are back, too. See, we have one right in the studio with us right now. We call him Max. <laughs> if people know me, they'll get that. All right, so... I want to talk about, we were going to talk about this last week a little bit, but the Sandhill, the annual Midwest Sandhill Crane Count is coming up. So if, you, if you've ever counted cranes before with this group or if you, you're interested, uh, give us a call and tell us about your experience. If you've been one of the counters, I'd love to hear how it went. You know, obviously what you saw, you probably heard and saw Sandhill Cranes. But the count is coming up on April 8th. So that weekend, that Saturday morning, it's usually the first two hours around sunrise. So you have to get up early just to listen to my show and, and count cranes. Uh, but the Sandhill Crane Count's coming. And what it is is throughout six states in the Midwest, the the International Crane Foundation, which is based here in Wisconsin in Baraboo, which, again, a lot of people don't know that. But we're the, we have the International Crane Foundation where they have all the different species of cranes here. They raise them. They research them. They, they bring them back from extinction, hopefully, or, well, not extinction, but near extinction. But the Sandhill Crane Count is on April 8th. Uh, what you do, the, the cool thing about it is the, just the experience, getting out in the field you know, before sunrise, listening to the cranes, listening to all the other birds you could see. You, know, you can hear woodcock displaying. You can hear robins singing, you know, cardinals, owls, things like that. But obviously the point is to count um, as many cranes as you can within your area. So you're given a certain route to follow, a certain site to, to monitor, and you're going to sit there and you're going to listen for cranes um, and watch for them. And that, again, is April 8th. And... To find out more information, depending where you're listening, um, you can go to savingcranes.org. So savingcranes.org. And there is a, a list by county. It tells you which county, and then there's a contact person there for you. So depending what county you're in, if you want to participate, um, go on there. Um, you don't have to have experience, so don't think you have to be a professional bird watcher or anything like that. It, it, anyone can do this. They give you full training and everything. And speaking of the training, at Mosquito Hill Nature Center here in New London for Outagamie County, uh, they handle the count for Outagamie and Wapaka County. So if you're in this area, that's where you would um, contact or go to be part of the crane count. But the thing is, today they're having their training sessions, so, and they want anyone who's, who is interested in counting in our counties to actually go to this training session. Um, and what they're going to do is watch a video. You're going to learn about cranes. You're going to get assignments for where to go um, and instructions for how to how to listen for the cranes, how to count the cranes, and then how to enter them into the database online. So that's coming up on April 8th, usually is uh, the first weekend in April, um, first Saturday morning. 
Um, but it's a really cool thing. They've been doing it for several, many years. I think I think they might be on their 30th year right now. But it's a really cool process. And to just be out there with other people counting cranes throughout the area and seeing how many we have. You know, we started out, it wasn't long ago that there were only, I believe it was 1930, there were less than like 25 pairs of sandhill cranes in Wisconsin. So, you know, because they were basically hunted out just like whooping cranes and, and trumpeter swans and things. They were hunted out back in the 1800s. So we went from 30, 25 pairs, you know, back in the 1930s to now we probably have we probably have 20 to 30,000 or more cranes in Wisconsin. So we'll find out on the April 8th how many they, they see in here. So, wow. Yeah. That's very interesting. Pretty cool event. And it's, a, it, again, it's six states. It's 90 counties in six states. And Wisconsin is obviously uh, the core of that. And um, it's pretty cool. Sandhill cranes are amazing birds. A lot of people don't realize there's there's anywhere from three to nine different subspecies of sandhill cranes that, that scientists recognize. All the ones in Wisconsin are what, what's called greater sandhill cranes. There's also lesser sandhill cranes um, and Canadian sandhill cranes and a couple other species, you know, west and east of us. But what we have here are the big, greater sandhill cranes. And, again, we went from 35 or 25 breeding pairs back in the 1930s to, you know, now you see them everywhere. I remember when I grew up with, you know, hunting and, and fishing and outdoors, um, it was a rare treat to see a crane, and now you see them anywhere. So there's probably more. There could be more cranes right now in our area than there have ever been. So You're listening to Outdoors with Rob Zimmer on WHBY. 281-1150 is the phone number. Let's head back out to the phone lines. We have Randy on the line. Good morning, Randy. Hey, Randy. Oh, hi, this is Randy from Pheasants Forever. Oh, hi. How are you doing? Hey. Good morning. Hey, uh, you're along the same lines that you're talking about. I just got my, my pheasant routes this week from the DNR. Oh, excellent. We go out to you know, Pheasants Forever, yep. April 3rd through April 28th. We go out, and they give us the routes that, that we have to follow, and there's 15 stops in each route, and we stop for six minutes and listen for the roosters to, to crow or cackle, and then we mark them on the spots. But um, And we, I do, I, I run into the crane people uh, out there. And oh, we yeah? Talk, yeah, we, yeah, we talk about what they're doing and what I'm doing and that sort of oh, thing. Oh, cool. And, uh, that is fun. Yeah. Um, but the the real reason I'm calling is is those routes that that I have to start are like at five o'clock, five fifteen in the morning. Yeah. And like you say, when you get out there, and I, I guess when you get out there at five five fifteen, and the sun's coming up, and and I'm trying to listen for for pheasants and roosters, and you're hearing just about <laughs> everything else that's out there. Right. Uh, the the crows and the cranes and the turkeys and. And the bullfrogs, oh, my gosh, the bullfrogs. Oh, yes. You know, you get by bullfrog pond, and, and you can't hear anything else. Yeah. They're, like, uh, and they're all, all they're all making noise at the same time, and they're doing their calls because, like, uh, like Thumper says in the Bambi movie, they're all Twitter-baited. Oh, yes, <laughs> so Twitter-baited. Twitter-baited so. <laughs> but, oh. uh, but it's just, it's just incredible. Everything you hear, and it's all at the same time. And Yes. You know, if you, if you can... Roll out of bed at five five fifteen and get out to your local DNR area or wildlife area and and just listen and, and just listen. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I love it. And so many people miss that because you know it's a couple hours and then it's done. But yep. if you're if you're sleeping, you know you go out too late the night before and you don't get up. You mm-hmm. you miss all that. And the cool thing is it happens every day for like two months straight. You yep. know, and different mm-hmm. things sing as they come back. You know, different birds like like right now the robin chorus in the morning mm-hmm. is just incredible. And then yeah. you have the cardinals, and, and pretty mm-hmm. soon the Orioles will be back, and everything else. And yeah, and and and, and oh my, you know the and the stuff we see, you, know, you see deers, and, and yeah, if, the turkeys are really neat because if you can yes. get up close and see the turkey just before he's getting ready to gobble, yeah, you know it's like he 
he's getting he, he really expands his chest you know and his yeah. feathers puff out and, or fan and all that kind of yeah. stuff and kind of drag their wings effort. yeah yeah you know. it looks like quite an effort for him to gobble to gobble but, right they have to know, take a deep breath and <laughs> yeah. yeah right but it, it's uh it's really neat but you know and then part of it is um you can always go back to bed and take a nap <laughs> right exactly yeah exactly That's, yeah, because every, uh, every day you miss that, and even even the sunrise itself. I mean, the sunrise peaks mm-hmm. for like thirty seconds, and then it's gone. You know, I mean, you get that that right when it's coming over the horizon, the clouds mm-hmm. all of a sudden for like thirty seconds they get painted, you know, pink, mm-hmm. and then just like that it's gone. And if you miss it, you, know, you got to wait till tomorrow or wait till the next day. But mm-hmm. yeah, I love but, that. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I just say they're they're all making noise at the same time, and it's kind of funny because. Just for the heck of it, I've you know I've yelled at the bullfrogs, you know, they, oh. <laughs> and then they they stay they quiet do. for about fifteen seconds, yep. <laughs> and then they start all over again. Oh, that's cool. But uh, but yeah, the other thing is you know you can if you go to a, a wildlife area in our area, um, you know take your dog with. You got to keep them on a leash because yep. birds are nesting. But yep. I take I take uh, Toby with my Brittany on on all my runs, and oh, yeah. and I'll stand on his leash while I'm yep. trying to take the count, and and he loves it, you know. Yeah. And he'll hear a pheasant. It's like, "Hey, boss, let's go." But right. you know, he can't do that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, if yeah. get out there bright and early, and and take a thing, a coffee with you, and get out there. Exactly. Do you want to talk a little bit about your your crow count? Sure. Yeah. yeah it's, go ahead. Uh, it's April third to the twenty eighth, and uh, we have two routes in Winnebago County, uh, west of Armro, that area, and we have to we have fifteen stops in each route, and we have to. Uh, Stop, and then we listen for six minutes at each stop. And when we hear a rooster uh, crow or cackle, then we mark it on that map, and uh, and that gives the DNR an idea of how the native populations are doing and that sort of thing. Yeah. And some of the stops are on on DNR lands, public lands. Some are on private lands. That sort of thing. So, yeah. Cool. Um, and this is ringneck pheasant for those who correct. aren't familiar. Yep. yep. Excellent. Yep, pheasants. Yep. yep. Do you guys need help, or do you have enough volunteers? Or? Um, no, I think we're good. You're good. Okay. There's there's only two routes, and we only have to run it once. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, so we're we're good. We the chapter Oshkosh chapter we take care of that. Yeah. Uh, for the DNR. So. All right. But uh, but yeah, it's it's to get up that early. You know, to roll out about four fifteen. It's it's a little tough. But yep. uh, when you get out there, it, it, it is really fun. It's hear, worth every, it. And they're all like I say, they're all making noise at the same time. Right. But, yes. Yeah. The and then. Um, so there's two different routes, uh, two different parts of Winnebago County that that we do, and and again, then the DNR has an idea of of how the the roosters are doing. Now the the mailmen also on the rural routes they they report back to DNR oh. what they're seeing too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I don't know if excellent people knew that. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, mailmen also report back to DNR what they're hearing. So. Yeah, and I've been seeing a lot of pheasants on the road, and they're getting pretty brave, and they don't even leave the shoulder, you know, when you when mm-hmm. you speed by. I've, I've been seeing quite a few, um, especially over in Manitowoc County area. Manitowoc, Calumet County, I've been seeing a bunch. But, yeah, in Winnebago County, too. So quite a few out there. Yep. So they yeah. uh, so that, an easy that's winter, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was surprised because, you know, that, that freezing, that uh, ice and stuff that we yeah. had a while ago. Yes. Um, yeah, you hate to see that because it, it's hard for them to to get to the food because uh, everything's covered up with ice. Right, right. All right. Well, good luck. And All enjoy. right. Yeah. You know, when uh, when I'm done, we'll I'll, I'll call back to report how we did. Oh yeah, please do. All okay. Right. Well, you thank bet. you. Thank you. Yep. Bye, Bye-bye. Randy.
888-281-1150 is the phone number. We had a call earlier during the break from Troy, and he was talking about how you don't want to be start raking at least your lawn right now for the next month or two. Yes. Oh, I mean, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I, I was warning people. I didn't have my rule. I said, do not get out in your garden You know, when it was 70 degrees back in February. Sorry, I was looking at my phone there and I got a message. But yeah, the um, you don't want to get out there for several reasons. Like like Troy is saying, if you get out there now and start raking and pulling things out, like like I warned you guys about, you're going to cause a lot of damage out in your garden. You're going to open up the garden for weeds because you know you tear out any any kind of vegetation, the old vegetation, and you're just opening up sunlight to get in there and hit. You know, there's probably millions and millions of weed seeds waiting to germinate sitting on the top of your soil. And if you get out there now and rake them, you're disturbing that and getting letting light get in there for them to germinate, and that's that's what they want. They want they want some light to hit them so they can just germinate and grow. So then later on in the season, you'll see the results of that. So you won't see the weeds right away, but in June, July, and August, you'll see all these weeds out there, and you'll wonder, how did I get so many weeds? I didn't have these last year. Well, it's because you were out raking in March and April. Or, you know, you want to wait till it's really firmed up, really nice and green and lush before you go out there and do that. Um, the other part of it is also when you're out there all over your lawn walking and you know dragging wheelbarrows and things like that, uh, you're compacting your soil. The soil is too wet right now, even though it might look dry in some spots. It's really damp. It's really wet. Um, there could even still be some frost in, in deeper areas in some spots. But what happens is you're compacting that soil, and that's another thing weeds like is compacted soil. So things like creeping charlie and, and plantain and dandelions, they love compacted um, soil, clay soils especially, and you give them that by going out on your lawn right now and, and messing around. <laughs> so, I mean, it's okay, like people said, it's okay to go out there, you know, to pick up your d- dog poop and things like that, but you don't want to be out there heavily raking and even removing some of the, the plant material over your plants. They still need that insulation. You want to keep them, especially your perennials, like like me, I'm a big hosta freak. Right now, you want to keep those perennials as cool as possible. You want to keep that soil as cool as possible so it warms up gradually rather than just suddenly warming up because that can stress out your plants. That can cause them to pop up uh, too soon. And then if we get another hard freeze, they're going to they're gonna freeze off. So there's lots of different reasons. Just go enjoy bird watching and hiking and, and stay off your lawn for a little while. Before we go to break, let's head back to the phone lines. Right. We have Bill on the line. Good morning, Bill. All right. Hi, Bill. Good morning. Rob, I have a question about an animal. Okay. Uh, we have an occasional visitor at our bird feeder who's a squirrel. It's about 50% larger than a gray squirrel and has uh, reddish-brown tail and underside. Can you tell me what that uh, species is? It sounds like a fox squirrel. Fox squirrels are, are bigger than gray squirrels. They're variable in color, but most of them do have like an, a rusty-colored, almost orangey, rusty-colored from the, the chin all the way to the tip of their tail on the bottom. So it's probably a fox squirrel. Usually I see fox squirrels out in, in cornfields. They're big enough where they can haul. The fun thing about them is they'll they'll go out into a, a cut cornfield and grab entire cobs of corn and run across you know the highway with it. Uh, but a lot of times you see them out in cornfields. But they will come to feeders, and they are they are noticeably larger than gray squirrels. Right. They're fairly similar in color. They have that same. I mean, most of them, like I said, there's different color phases. But most fox squirrels are that same kind of slate gray on top, but they're noticeably rusty, rusty orangish on the bottom. 
Yeah, well, we used to call them that when I was a kid, but I didn't know whether that was the official name oh, or not. Yep, yep, it's a fox squirrel, and, and it is there. It's a completely different species than the the gray squirrel, the eastern gray squirrel that we have. We right. have we have the red squirrel, the tiny little red squirrel. We have the gray squirrel, and then we have the fox squirrel, which is the big one. Um, so yeah, you're lucky to have them. Okay. All Thank right. You. Yep. You bet. Bye, Bill. Thanks for the call. Let's head to a break back with more of Rob Zimmer after this on WHBY. You're listening to Outdoors with Rob Zimmer. I'm Zach Morris. And Rob, let's get back to your top ten list. Yeah, otherwise we won't get to it this week. I might have to do a cliffhanger. No. All right, number seven. My number seven, these are the top ten annuals. So I'm talking about annual garden flowers, plants for your garden. Uh, I did the perennials a couple weeks ago, so now I'm going to do the annuals. Number seven is an, a really unusual one and a really big one. It's called Kiss Me Over the Garden Gate. And a lot of people aren't familiar with this, but it can be... 10 feet tall, 8 to 10 feet tall, or even taller, I've seen it. And what it is, it's this really cool kind of plant that grows up almost like a tree. It gets to be almost woody, but it has this really cool um, uh, architecture to it. It almost bends over, uh, twists over like an umbrella almost. And then it's covered with these long pink flower clusters that kind of hang down like um, like caterpillars or things like that. And it's these long... Um, pink flowers that hang down over this huge plant. So if you have a, a big spot for this, it's called Kiss Me Over the Garden Gate. It's an awesome uh, annual plant uh, to have in your garden, just a, a showcase plant. I mean, people see that and they're, they'll freak out because, like I said, it can be 8 to 10 feet tall, and it's filled with these long, dangling pink flowers. Uh, number six is um, I want to talk about several ornamental annual grasses. Number, I love the grasses. There's so many cool ornamental ones. So it's uh, fireworks fountain grass, which is a really cool, you know, if people are familiar with the purple fountain grass, which is a dark um, purple color, fireworks is bright red. So it's a really cool red. And the, the later we get in the year, the redder it gets. Fireworks fountain grass, which can be three to four to five feet tall even when you, when you get the plumes. It has the same big caterpillar plumes that the purple fountain grass has except they're in red. The other grasses that I want to talk about are black mondo grass, which is this really cool, short, little six to eight inch black grass, which is really neat. You can do a lot of things with it in the garden. And Mexican feather grass, which is another one of my favorite grasses. Now, these are all annuals. Like I said, these aren't perennial ornamental grasses. These are annuals. But those three grasses together are really cool, and that's number six. Number five is black and blue salvia. One of the best plants for hummingbirds in the garden is it's got rich black stems with dark green foliage and bright cobalt blue flowers. And I better keep going because it's almost 8 o'clock. Oh, my gosh. I feel rushed. <laughs> Number four is my zinnias. I love zinnias. In particular, there's a new one out called Mighty Lion Zinnia that actually looks like a lion's mane. It's this huge 5- to 6-inch wide zinnia with these roughly kind of um, feathery orange flowers, and it's a really cool one. So that's number four. Number three is Rex begonia. There's so many cool Rex begonias out there. They have the, the silvery mirrored foliage and their cool patterns, the spirals, all the different visual effects that you get with some of those begonias. That's number three. Number two, my second favorite perennial or annual, sorry, is coleus. There's so many different kinds of beautiful coleus out there for sun or shade. A lot of the newer ones, you can grow them in full sun. So many different textures and colors and everything for coleus. And my number one annual... Do I get a drum roll for number one? <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> My number one annual is Mexican sunflower. It's also called Tithonia or the torch. 
Um, the, it's been rated the number one plant for monarch butterflies in the fall because it's a late bloomer. It starts to bloom in August, goes all the way through Halloween if it's nice out, gets about four to five feet tall, gets dozens of these bright, bright, the brightest orange you can imagine, neon orange sunflowers that kind of grow horizontally instead of tip over. Uh, but the monarchs just love it. So Mexican sunflower or the torch um, is my number one annual. All right. So we got a call before we got to go? Yeah, let's head out to Ryan quick. We got one minute. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hey, um, I have a question. I got a house I purchased last year, and there's never been a garden here, and I wanted to get a garden going, but I was thinking about doing, you know, kind of how they do the boxes with, like, four-by-fours around it or two-by-sixes and then put black dirt in, and that's about all I know. Do you have any recommendations how how much dirt I should have and what I should Are you you growing vegetables or flowers? Okay. Yeah, what you want to do is – Oh, yeah. yeah, what you want to do, you you can actually purchase garden soil for vegetables or you can make your own mix. I wouldn't just put black dirt in there. You want to combine like some black dirt, some compost, vegetables like it really loose and, and loamy. And I'll talk about that if you're here next week because the, the music's playing. But I can talk more about starting a vegetable garden in a raised bed next week if you're, if yeah, you're I'll give you ready. a call next week. Remind yep. you. All right. Thank you so much. Yep, All right. Bye. Yep. Bye. Well, that wraps up Outdoors with Rob Zimmer. Well, we'll see you next week, Rob. Yep. We'll see you. Under the Hood with Gene Dooley coming up next. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.